1: The Jewish Hour can now be heard on jcastnetwork.org, your portal to Jewish broadcasting. It's also on iTunes and on your smartphone using the Stitcher app. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be uh, interviewing author Phyllis Goldstein, wrote a book called A Convenient Hatred, a book about a treatise on anti-Semitism. Fascinating work. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview. We've got, we're in the middle of three weeks. We're playing acapella music, and I happen to find some very nice acapella music. Yes, indeedy. You're going to love that, too. We have insights into the portion of the week, which is the book of of Deuteronomy one one. As we're starting it, and we're going to talk about maybe some three weeks, which is what we're in. We have a story which blew me away when I first saw it. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> The shin Bet, Israel's security agency, revealed that a Palestinian Authority police officer was arrested several weeks ago for carrying out a terror attack. The PA officer shot a 70-year-old Jewish man as he waited at a hitchhiking station outside Kedumim in the Shamron. The man suffered light to moderate wounds. In two separate incidents, Arab road terrorists threatened Israeli travelers on the highway between Jerusalem and Kirid Arba. A Molotov cocktail was thrown at a car, causing extensive damages. Miraculously, the three young women in the car were not hurt. Also, Israeli film star Ronit Avrahamov Shapira and her family were targeted by rock throwers. Shapira suffered slight injuries. Police captured suspects in both cases. A policewoman at the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron stopped a Palestinian woman from carrying out a terrorist attack. The Arab woman was stopped by the policewoman, searched, and three large knives were found. The Arab woman intended on stabbing a guard at the cave. This same woman was arrested and jailed last year for trying the same thing. Do we see a pattern developing here? Israel issued two international tenders for the construction and operation of two new private seaports to compete with the existing ports of Ashdod and Haifa. We reported several months ago that they were going to do it. Now they have. We just need, like, I think, uh, a half a billion dollars or something to uh, put up as a, as initial guilt for it. The Prime Minister ben- Netanyahu at the ceremony declared the move the end of the monopolies at the nation's two ports because Mr. Netanyahu and the Histadrut labor union don't like each other. A world, It's weird. A World War II-era Soviet tank was unearthed during the excavation of a site in Chalon. The rusting tank was buried underground in a large industrial area. It is believed that the tank was captured during one of Israel's wars. No one has really any information how it got there and why it was buried in that spot speaking of buried, this is like something way cool. You're going to want to listen to this one. Archaeologists say they found the remains of the tabernacle at Shiloh. The tabernacle dates to the period between the conquest of the land of Israel by Joshua and the rise of King David. Actually, the Mishkan Shiloh stood for 369 years in that spot. Earthenware vessels and three large stoves were found in one of the structures there. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. In other news, unfortunately, three campers were injured by lightning at the Goldman Summer Camp in Indiana. Two campers were released from the hospital. The third remains in stable condition. A 20-year-old man was sentenced to leave New Zealand. He was expelled from New Zealand for desecrating 80 graves at a Jewish cemetery. The man who is not a New Zealander would normally have faced seven years prison in New Zealand, but they just told him, get out of the country and don't come back. He must still pay $3,000 to repair the damage. And finally, put this one into your book of things to know legendary musician leonard cohen who happens of course to be jewish rescheduled two shows on an upcoming tour because they fell on rosh hashanah and yom kippur the 78 year old singer songwriter apologized to fans for moving performances in leeds and london and those september dates but all tickets purchased will be honored for the days following when mr cohen will be singing those songs that he sings and that's the news. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Spex Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Spex Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. Or visit them on the web at specshoward.edu. Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. This is where you start. And here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Phyllis Goldstein, who has recently authored A Convenient Hatred, The History of Anti-Semitism. How are you today, Dr. Goldstein?
2: Um, you can just refer to me as Phyllis, but I'm fine and I'm really excited to be on your program today.
1: Oh, it's, a, it's our honor and pleasure. So we're talking, this is a history of anti-Semitism. So I guess the first question would be is how old is anti-Semitism, Phyllis?
2: Well, no one knows for for sure, but it certainly dates back to ancient Greek and Roman times at the very least. Mm -hmm.
1: I would always think that it would have been that as long as there have been Semites, there have probably been (laughs) anti-Semites.
2: Well, since... There are no Semites in the world. It's a language group. It's not a, a group of people. Um, it, it's been around as long as people have identified themselves as Jews and lived outside of of the Israel. of mm-hmm. Israel.
1: So the that's an interesting thing because I remember as a kid, uh, I must have been in fifth grade. The uh, there was there was a uh, an Arab spokesperson who stood up and said, how can you call us anti-Semitic when we are also Semitic? So that that was really just in a, uh, that was a non sequitur, I suppose, on his part.
2: Yeah, uh, the term anti-Semitism has never been used against another group of people. Even uh, uh, clearly Arabs speak a Semitic language, so do Ethiopians. But uh, the term anti-Semitism has only been used as an attack
1: on Jews. Mm-hmm. Let's let's the idea. Well, since we're talking about anti-Semitism, I have a whole list of questions that I want to get to, but let's just free flow a little bit over here. We have people like Ahmed Dajab, Ahmed who says that he's not anti-Semitic, he's anti-Israel. He loves the Iranian Jews, he keeps them all sequestered, and, you know, keeps them with the same lack of rights that Muslims have kept Jews without rights for thousands of years already, And but he's not anti-Semitic. Can, is there that jargon that, is that, like, acceptable? How would you like to comment on that, Phyllis <laughs> Goldstein?
2: Um, it's... It, it's easily I mean it is possible to be um anti-zionist without being anti-semitic, but i but obviously he has crossed a number of lines, and from him it's, it's it strikes me as disingenuous mm-hmm. to suggest that it's only Israel um that he objects to
1: okay, so in looking back in your studies, let's go back to history. Okay. And looking and looking back historically, what type of source material are, are you seeing did, did you use to find the evidence of anti-Semitism going back as how far back you went
2: um, We used documents we used um, writings of the period to try to trace back where we saw evidence. One of the earliest, the earliest case that I document took place on a little island in the Nile River called Elephantine. Um, Jews lived on that island for a very long time. They were hired by the Egyptians originally. Um, Jewish um, soldiers were hired to guard the border. It lies on the border between Egypt and, and the rest of Africa. Um, and those Jews were were hired soldiers. They were not alone. There were also companies from Syria and other parts of the Middle East in those days Um emperors and, and kings and pharaohs didn't trust their own people to guard their borders they hired outsiders. Uh-huh. what what work. time are
1: we, what time period are we talking Phyllis? about
2: 800 years before the common
1: era. Uh-huh. that's before Solomon. Yes. So we're talking we're talking biblical though we're talking about people have moved back to to Egypt. Is Elephantine technically part of Egypt?
2: Yep. Even today, it's part of Egypt. Um, 800 years is wrong. It's probably closer to um, three or, well, I'm trying to find a date. Um, it's about 500 years That would put earlier. you at
1: that would, 500 or years?
2: Four and five, yeah.
1: 500 years B.C.E. Yeah. Okay. That so would put you four
2: hundred, a little after
1: the Babylonian exile. Okay, a little bit after Babylon. So yeah, but there were Jews already living in Egypt during times of Solomon, as it's recorded in, in uh, the That's biblical true. writing. That Solomon had these huge, great horses stables, and the horses all came from Egypt, and he settled people down in Egypt. the The great um, Jewish city at that point was Alexandria, which one I was thinking of. Any. What's, what's going on in Alexandria with the Jewish community?
2: Alexandria, a little later, around Roman times, has a number of pogroms that people talk about. And the word pogrom, of course, doesn't exist at that time period. But it grows out of rivalries be- that took place in Alexandria between the Greeks, the Jews, and the Egyptians.
1: Uh-huh. Was it like a, or just like a, pardon the crude expression, like turf wars?
2: Yeah, it was very much turf wars, um, not not entirely. A lot of it is culture clash. Um, for example, on, to go back to Elephantine, um, Jews in Elephantine built a version of the temple, and some people think that the reason Jews went to Elephantine was because they didn't they had a disagreement with the priests at the temple and so they built their own and they conducted sacrifices there and they sacrificed rams mm-hmm. and the god of elephantine the egyptian god of elephantine was the was the ram
1: oh that's yeah. not good that's not no, very good it at all was not
2: no. good and it it caused some friction on the island and that was under persian rule still but in during roman times it was very much a turf war between the Romans, um, between the Greeks and um, and the Jews and the Egyptians for um, for status in the city.
1: Uh-huh. Is there our guest is Phyllis Goldstein, who's written a book, A Convenient Hatred: The History of Anti Semitism. Is there archaeological evidence of this people, the the Jews living in Elephantine? Mm-hmm. Twenty-five hundred years ago, they've found temples yeah. and other things like that. Describe that if there you could, There is
2: not only um, there is not only the remains of that temple, but there is also um, there is also documents that have been found uh, in on Elephantine, like much of Egypt. It's dry and desert-like, so documents were well preserved. And um we have and I quoted in the book a petition that the Jews of Elephantine wrote um to the Persians who ruled Egypt at the time they were their temple was destroyed by a group of Egyptian rebels and demanding that they be allowed to rebuild it because they had protected the interests of the Persians at the time. Mm-hmm. So we we have physical evidence. We've also found wills and other documents that suggest that there was a thriving Jewish community on the island um, that interacted with the other groups on the island but were very protective of their rights.
1: Mm -hmm. How is anti-Semitism manifested differently over the course of the millennia?
2: Yeah. So explain yeah. how, please. Um, early on, a lot of it is is rooted in cultural differences um, of the kind that I just spoke about. Um, Jews sacrificed the ram. People on the island worshipped the ram as a god. That's a cultural clash what happened in Alexandria not only once but many times when there was rioting was a power play between Jews, Greeks, Egyptians. And and that was that was part of the times. Um, there is also something that historians called it the language of the times or rhetoric of the times. And it was to exaggerate differences. So a lot of the stereotypes and myths about Jews in those days were exaggerations. I mean, we hear beginnings of of the blood libel. There is a notion that Jews murdered um, a Greek. They fattened a Greek and murdered him. It was never a specific Greek. It was always in very general terms, but it was one of those stories that lie beneath the surface. No Jew was ever killed for, for that. There were no uprisings over it, but it was a part of the language of the, of the era was to exaggerate the faults of, of whoever was a rival group. But those, those words take on different meanings at other times in history. Mhm.
1: Well let's skip up to the, like the the Greek period and Roman period. Do we okay. find do we find things in like classical writings? I have to confess that I actually have not read anything more than the crypt notes on the Iliad and the Odyssey. Do we find in the major Greek works of philosophy Aristotle, Plato, Socrates and further any T- any type of reference or inference to to Jews and how the general populace should uh, treat them? No, no. Oh, thank God.
2: No. <laughs> they were seen as not different from other groups that the Greeks conquered and later the Romans conquered. Um, it's it's anger against uh, not anger, but but sometimes contempt, sometimes anger a lot of emotions about a people that you're either about to conquer or have conquered. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that different from the way they regarded other groups at the time. In other words, Jews were not singled out in a particular way until well into the Roman period, and even there it's kind of iffy. There was a popular notion at the time that when you conquered a people, they have they've worshipped your gods. Mm-hmm. And Jews refused to do that, and that's the conflict with Rome to a large degree was that Jews refused to accept the gods of Rome. Mm-hmm. It's what we learn, you know, in Sunday school and Hebrew school, um, and it's true they did, and and that set them apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, what about the the idea? I've I've often pur- purported and had this various discussions with people the statement that the Jews believe they're the chosen people based on, on biblical verses, B'nai B'chari yis, Yisrael, my son, my firstborn Israel, etc. cetera. Atah B'charta right. Amim, you are the chosen of all the nations. Is there any link between how we perceive ourselves in the world and anti-Semitism, Phyllis Goldstein? I
2: don't believe so. Um, I, I, I know that Christians have used the notion of chosenness. Um Against Jews, but is it that rude or the cause of anything? I don't think so. I think anti-Semitism has more to do with the way other peoples have imagined Jews than with the reality of Jewish life or belief.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in demographic stereotypes, like the difference between anti-Semites of of uh, Western Europe? picture Jews as opposed to anti-Semites of uh, Arab countries?
2: Um, At some periods, the answer is yes. But with the beginnings of imperialism, Christian views of Jews get transferred to the Middle East and other parts of the world. Um, it, It was part of the baggage of imperialism.
1: Mm -hmm. I have to tell you a story. I'm going to ask you about the the origins of it. There's a story that um, happened with me about 24 years ago. We first came to Detroit. The two people came into my office. And if you were uh, typecasting people, you would say these were like the absolute stereotypical hillbillies. And he came in and they sat down and, and said, we want to be Jewish. And I asked them. Well, why do you want to be Jewish? And the response was, was we're poor people and we understand that Jews have a lot of money. And so we want to become Jewish so we can get some of the money. In which case I fell off my chair laughing and said, if I wish it was true and have a nice day and uh, told them about seven mitzvahs of Noah and told them God loves them and hopefully everything will work out. And if they still want to become Jewish next year, come back to me. And I haven't seen them again ever since where do Where do we have these stereotypes that are are so untrue about the Jews? like, for example, blood libels, and Jews have all the money, and Jews are in control of the media and the banks, and uh, we're running the world and et cetera, et cetera. Phyllis Goldstein.
2: it's It's a good question. The ones about money begin in Europe, and it has much to do with the fact that Jewish occupations were limited to jobs that that Christians did not want to take on for themselves, including money lending, which was regarded as, as an unchristian thing to do, though so Christians later took it over. But early on, that became a Jewish occupation, and that and that created new tensions within Europe. It did not happen so much in southern Europe, in places along the Mediterranean, um, nor did it happen in um, the Arab world, but it was very much a part of, of both western and eastern Europe into the north um, during the Middle Ages. And and that and once that stereotype took hold, it had a lot of power. The conspiracy thing can really be traced back even farther. I mean, it's implicit. We were talking earlier about the Greeks and the Romans. Um, it was a part of Greek and Roman times as well that the Jews are clannish; they stick together. Um, that if one Jew is in trouble, other Jews will come to their aid. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, that was true. That's a good but, thing, though, you know, no? It's all good things. You know, what do they say? That your your strongest asset is also your weakest, um, is your greatest weakness. Um, so it's true. But the notion of clannishness in other times began of... You know, are Jews disloyal to the to the country in which they live. Um, the notion of a conspiracy. Um, how could Jews do this? Well, they conspired against us. In the blood libel material, in the tales about blood libel and ritual murder, the notion that Jews all over the world are conspiring to to kill a christian child or or whatever is is a part of that is a part of that myth is that there is a conspiracy among jews and conspiracy theories take root in every society um and a jewish conspiracy is something that you find in almost every age The blood libel was considered a Jewish conspiracy when the plague hit Europe and the Middle East. In the Middle East, it was seen as something that hit all groups within a society. And we have accounts of Jews, Christians, and Muslims praying together in Europe People turned against the Jews, and after they killed off the Jews in the town, they turned on priests and believed that priests were conspiring against them. So, But the notion that whatever goes wrong, has, someone has to be to blame, runs through the history of anti-Semitism.
1: Mm-hmm. The hmm The, the um, buzzword which has been floating around this country, probably the 40s, the 30s, is that the way to combat anti-Semitism is through education and through dialogue and opening up means of communication. And is there uh, any validity and merit to say that these are, are valid ways of combating anti-Semitism since they've been saying it since the 30s and 40s?
2: Well, actually, I said it before the 30s and 40s. Um But, yeah, I think there is some val- validity of that. It's not the only way you combat it, but it's certainly important. Jews would never have survived for, you know, what we've we been talking about, 2,500 years of anti-Semitism without allies, without... Um, Christians, Muslims, whatever, who were willing to to help Jews, who were willing to say, this isn't fair, it's not true, it's not right. The problem is there are very few such people in any group, but there is no way that Jews could have survived without it. Okay. They were such a tiny minority in Europe.
1: Okay. I'm going to throw you a, a curveball. Let's see how you handle this one. Is Looking back at the annals of history, till now, what would you say was the country that was the most friendly to its Jewish inhabitants, and why?
2: <laughs> most friendly Yes. And why?
1: Yes. I mean, in the other United words, the least anti-Semitic country.
2: The United
1: States, I would say. Okay. Present-day United States, up to, like, from the... Uh, for the last well 300 even years.
2: even in the periods when um, when there were certainly open discrimination against Jews, it was never of the of the um, the ferocity and the anger and the intensity that you saw in Europe. Mhm.
1: It was there. We did have like there was it was a movie. I'm trying to remember who the movie was with. It was about a um, a person who masquerades as a Jew on a magazine. It was from like the '40s or something like that to show that how anti. Uh, the
2: Cary Grant movie.
1: Maybe. Well, if you tell me the name, I might uh, remember. A
2: gentleman's it. Agreement. There
1: you go. A gentleman's agreement. So the anti-Semitism was there, but it was sort of like, well, we hold our fingers up when we drink our tea, and exactly. we're not gonna, we're not going to bloody our fingers, but we're not going to have uh, we don't we're not we're not philo-Semites either. <laughs>
2: Right. In fact, the British call it um, um, what is it? There's a name for it: polite anti-Semitism. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the book you've written, "A Convenient Hatred: The History of Anti-Semitism." What was your impetus in, in writing this book, Phyllis Goldstein?
2: Um, it was it was one of those occasions when my professional and personal interests came together. I work for an organization called Facing History and Ourselves. What we're a nonprofit educational organization that believes in the importance of linking history to the moral questions that we face today. And our primary case study is the events that led to the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And we've found in teaching that history that people know very little about anti-Semitism, and that's true both of Jews and non-Jews. And it's hard to understand what happened in Europe in the 1930s and 40s without understanding the history of of anti-Semitism. And we also believe that if you don't confront a history, you're never going to be able to overcome it. And so we we were aware of the need to look at this history in in a in an organized and and serious way. Um, at the same time, personally, I was I had always thought that anti-Semitism was something that my parents and grandparents experienced. I saw it as something that was more fringe kind of thing in the world today. I began to change my mind around the year 2000, and particularly in 2001 with Durban, Mm -hmm. with the kind of rumors that, that swirled after 9 11 with the murder of Danny Pearl in in, in Pakistan. Guess, uh... And suddenly it didn't seem fringe to me anymore. It was as if that polite anti Semitism that you were talking about had really come to the surface and was very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so this book sort of grew out of that. Of that cross-section of my my professional interests and my, my personal concerns.
1: Mm-hmm. A- intriguing title, a convenient hatred. The, the adjective convenient. Could you explain that, please, Phyllis?
2: Um, it's convenient, obviously not for Jews, <laughs> but it's convenient for the larger society. We know that anti-Semitism rises in times of discomfort, anxiety, fear, um, when people are looking for someone to blame and all that it takes to set it off. Because once those myths and, and, and stereotypes get rooted in a society, it becomes so easy, so convenient for a king, a priest, um a charismatic speaker a rabble rouser to to electrify a crowd by saying this isn't our fault they're to blame and they for too many years have been the jews
1: gotcha okay we're going we're we're out of time we're, uh, with this segment this has been actually fascinating i could go on for another 20 minutes but, okay,
2: I would I would like to say that I am going to be speaking about anti-Semitism at Michigan State. Oh on yes, February thirteenth,
1: February thirteenth, and
2: at seven thirty in the evening.
1: Do you have the uh, the site on Michigan State? Michigan State I is about the size not, of Brooklyn.
2: I do not have the site yet, um, but if they if, if people are interested in coming, it's should be available from it's being sponsored by the Department of Jewish Studies at Michigan State
1: great and if people want to get a copy of convenient hatred should you give us a website please Phyllis?
2: um you can go to amazon.com to get to get a copy That's easy. or to any bookstore they're available at bookstores
1: terrific and the website of your organization
2: is faith and history oneword org.
1: Okay, terrific. We want to thank you so much for coming on and enlightening on us and uh, continued success in all of your endeavors, Phyllis Goldstein.
2: Okay, thank you very much, and it's
3: been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour.
3: Chiropractic health care offers patients the advantage of a safe and natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. People of all ages, including children, benefit from chiropractic's unique approach to health. Call area code 248-557-1818 today to find out how chiropractic can benefit your family. At the Solomon Chiropractic Center, we especially love children. All kids should have their spines checked periodically throughout their crucial growing years. Growth on a crooked foundation will create a crooked spine and become harder to correct later in life. Kids love to get adjusted at the Solomon Chiropractic Center. And hey, moms, did you know that chiropractic offers a safe, drug-free approach to helping with the many pains women often get during and after pregnancy? We even have special tables which open up so pregnant women can lay on their stomachs. We treat moms, dads, children, and grandparents with arthritic pains, neck pains, back pain, and headaches. People of all ages, including kids, benefit from chiropractic. Come experience the natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. Stop living in pain. Call area code 248-557-1818 today for a free consultation at the Solomon Chiropractic Center to discuss you and your family's health needs. Remember, 557-1818. That's
1: 557 high hi Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. This is the last week for the Shalom Wayne Raffle. Shalom Wayne is a part of the umbrella organization, which... Umbrellas over the Jewish hour. You could win a hundred thousand dollars. Just go to rabbifinman.com. Tickets are a hundred dollars for one, one hundred and eighty for two, three is two fifty, seven is five hundred, a thousand dollars will get you fifteen, and eighteen hundred will get you thirty tickets in this wonderful raffle. Do it. Immediately, don't delay. Um, If you want to try sending me a letter with the uh, requesting it, we can try and get you in, but you'd have to get that in tomorrow. So uh, the deadline is the 11th. So if you're in the the immediate area, you could mail me a check to 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. As promised, we've got some wonderful Jewish music for you. This is Joseph Carduner, who is an Israeli recording star. This is actually a famous song that he did a cappella many years ago. It's called Sheer Hamalot. It's one of King David's songs of ascent. Lo Yanu,
4: Yanu. Lo Yishad Shomer Israel. HaShem Shomerkha, HaShem Zilkha, Al Yad Yeminekha. Yomam HaShemesh Lo Yagega VeYareh BaLayla. Shemish morami kora, ish mo ednaf shera, hashemish morcentra <tries> uvoera, meata ve ali adiyinegha yo mama shemesh law yakga w yara akh belaila ashmesh mor kha min kol ra ishmo etna khra ashmesh mor setkha w wa'ra wa ata
1: Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, micosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for Kosher, and S-U-P for Supervisors, Mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to The Dewar Shower. Let me just back out if you want to listen to music. This is the Maccabees, One Day.
5: I lay under the moon, and thank God I'm breathing, and I pray, don't take me soon, cause I am here for a reason. Sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down, so when negativity surrounds, I know someday it'll all turn around because... Of Children not play one or lose. Cause we one day, 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 No way. It might drive you crazy, but don't let it fix you no way, no way. Sometimes on my tears I drown, I drown. but I never let, let, let it get me down, down. down. so a negativity surrounds, around I know someday it'll all turn around, because all my life One day This all will change Treat people the same Stop with the violence Down with the hate One day we'll all be free And proud to be Under the same sun Singing song of freedom light will And our children, children will play fun, 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 fun.
1: Studio of Oak Park is now accepting students. Whether you're a real beginner or have been at it for a lifetime, the Art Studio of Oak Park is something for you. All levels welcome, all ages welcome. Private tutoring or small friendly classes. Flexible hours available. The Art Studio of Oak Park is very affordable. Make your life better. Put art into your life. The Art Studio of Oak Park offers lessons in a strictly kosher environment. Call today, 248 248- That's 248-542-5087. It's great having an art room right in the neighborhood. Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour, and we're having lots of fun. It's the three weeks. We'll talk about that coming up. But want to have more fun? How does $100,000 in your pocket sound? Ooh. Hundred bucks. Go to RabbiFinman.com. One ticket will get you a hundred. Bu- hundred bucks will get you one ticket in the Jewish Hour raffle. I'm really serious. This is a hundred thousand dollars. This is not some penny Annie trip for Israel to two for two, all health, hotels all included. No, this this is a hundred thousand dollars. We've been very successful in meeting our goals, and we need your help to go right now to the computer. Go to RabbiFinman.com. Click on the donations page, hit a hundred bucks any raffle you don't even have to even say anything, but any raffle any uh, donation made this week for a hundred dollars is an automatic raffle so do it today. don't delay if you want you can still get it in via snail post by sending your contribution of a hundred dollars or one hundred and eighty or two fifty or five hundred or a thousand or eighteen hundred to the Jewish hour fourteen thousand west nine mile road Oak Park Michigan for Eight two three seven. Last week, we closed with a song, Emeshka am which means, If I Forget You, Jerusalem, May My Right Hand Wither. It is a traditional melody for the time at which we are find ourselves in. And there are various different versions. This version actually is the theme song to an Israeli movie, which is uh, being shown around, called Fill the Void. It's a of a uh, nature of a uh, religious theme, but they did do this acapella song, and it's on YouTube, and we managed to download it. So we got a request from Chaim in Oak Park if we could play the whole thing, and so Chaim from Oak Park, if I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. <laughs> Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state of the art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital born infection? Did you know that last year one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248
6: 624
1: 9800. Herschel Finman here. You are a listener to the Jewish Shower. The people at Encompass Healthcare are very good, and I hope that you never need their services, but. Uh, if I, I know about them, from, unfortunately, from first-hand experience, and they save me a lot of time, a lot of heartache, a whole heck of a lot of money on uh, doctor's bills and hospital bills because I didn't have to go to a hospital without going into any of the gory details, and believe me, they're pretty gory. But they're the people to go to. Uh, you got an infection, have have uh, something that requires, say, hyperbaric treatment, um, lymphedema, any of those type of things, pressure wounds that encompass healthcare. care. They're the people. Want to be richer, $100,000? Even if you don't want to be richer. I don't care if you want to be richer, if you don't want to be richer, to tell you the truth. I want you to buy a raffle ticket. Simply because you're a listener, you deserve to buy a raffle ticket in the upcoming Jewish Ra- Jewish Hour raffle. A hundred thousand dollars is the first prize. The second prize is ten thousand dollars. Third prize is five thousand dollars. Fourth prize is a thousand dollars, and fifth prize is five hundred dollars. It's a hundred bucks for a ticket. You can afford it. You can do it. Go to the computer right now. Go to rabbifinman.com, Click on the donations page. Click a hundred bucks, and donate to your heart's content. Do it today. Okay, the portion of the week is Devarim. We're at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim. It is a soliloquy, Moses at the Mountain, Mount Nebo, which is a very interesting thing. If you were to do a like Google Earth or a Google Maps type search uh, for Mount Nebo in Jordan, it will it'll focus right on there. They know exactly where the mountain is. And if you zoom in on the mountain, you will see at the base of a mountain, a gift shop. You know, okay, fair enough. You can get your little statues of Moses or something on the mountain. I don't know what they would sell at a Mount Nebo gift shop, but they're there. So Moses and the Jewish people are at Mount Nebo opposite Jericho across the river, and he is engaged in his farewell soliloquy to the people. It takes about a month in their time. And we're reading the book of, of Deuteronomy until the holiday of Simcha's Torah, which is the end of September. And then we start all over again from the book of Genesis. We, we are told that the book of Deuteronomy was not written by Moses, even though it's all first-person person Moses when he got up to the book of uh, whatever, he got up at the mountain, and he, and he started to say, and he says, I say such and such. So it's Moses obviously saying it, but it's not Moses actually saying. Moses is just moving his mouth because at that point, Moses at this point is a month shy of 120, having led the Jewish people as an intercessor between the Jewish people and God, and vice versa, has taken on at this point a whole new spiritual aura. Moses gave up his personality at this point, and it wasn't him talking, it was the Almighty. Moses was just like you might pardon the expression a ventriloquist dummy. He was moving his mouth, and what was coming out was the voice of God. That's why we include the book of Devarim with the five books of Moses. It's in a Torah scroll. It's not part of the prophets which begin with the book of Joshua. It is still considered to have the same proportion of magnanimity to the Sinaitic revelation of the first four, first five books, first four books. Because Moses himself was totally and completely given over to godliness. We're in the three weeks, and that's what we have to do also. We want the temple to be rebuilt. And to do that, what we have to do is basically get out of the way of ourselves. We have to dedicate ourselves in these weeks specifically to making the world a better place. And that starts with Smiling at the person next to you—that's all it takes. A little bit. We got to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You are listening to the Jewish Hour.
0: Hi, this is Specs Howard from the Specs Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding for the Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour. 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Your help is greatly appreciated.
1: Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Go to RabbiFinman.com. You'll find archived editions of the show. You'll find the E-Parsha, U-Parsha, and Hasidic U story, which are insights into the portion of the week and stories from yours truly in various media other than radio. You'll also find the very important donations page, last chance, last opportunity this week to participate in the Shalom Wayne raffle. All proceeds will go directly to charity, will not pass go. Tickets are hundred dollars, one hundred and eighty for two, two fifty will get you three, seven will get you five hundred, etc. Go to rabbifinman.com. Want to make a donation of any type? You can do it at Rabbi Finman, Tom, to, Rabbifinman.com donations page, or send a your donation, your contribution of any amount to the Jewish Hour, fourteen thousand West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, four eight two three seven. Your donations are greatly appreciated and greatly needed. The Baal Shem Tov, founder of the Hasidic movement, would have what was referred to as Elias and Hashemus every once in a while. His soul would ascend to the heaven. And what happened, while he was taking a nap on the Sabbath afternoon, that he had a dream. This is one of those real dreams. And he started to scream in his sleep and his wife woke him up, shook him up. What's the matter? What's the matter? And he said, thank you for waking me up because another moment I would have not come back. What happened? So he explained that when he has these visions of what's going on in heaven, he sometimes gets insights into various different things and he teaches those to his students. But he was always looking for the chamber of the soul of Reb Nachman Kosovo, who was a tremendous, influential, um, righteous person, the leader of the generation and his generation, and he wanted to sit and learn with him. But he could never find it. One day he saw this palace. It was gold and diamond, and he says, whose is this? And it says, it's Nachman Kassavar's. He said, I want to go see him. They brought him into the chamber, and he was sitting and listening to him talk, and it was just the sweetest things he had ever heard. And he said... This is wonderful, the stuff that you're teaching. So Nacham Kosovo said, I'm inviting you to stay. You just immediately you leave your body, come and stay here. And he said, I should go back. But this Nachum Kosover was really pushing him. And he told his wife, I was just about to say yes. And the only thing I could do is let out a scream. Thank you for waking me up because my job in the world is not yet done. We are done. Thank you for tuning us in for this hour. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. And we hope to see you again back next week. Take care.